Hey friend, I want to give you an early heads up that on Friday, December 1st, I have some really big news that I am sharing. That's all I'm going to say about it for now, but I will see you in your email inbox if you are on my list and on Instagram on Friday, and then we will talk about it more. But I love you. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hi, lovely. Okay, first of all, thank you so much for the baby name suggestions over on Instagram. I reviewed those last week over the Thanksgiving weekend, and my initial takeaway is that I feel more peaceful with the one name choice that we have because there really wasn't anything new or different that spoke to me. It kind of solidified, yeah, I think you have gone to the ends of the internet and these are the options. But on the other hand, it also (laughs) made me feel a little more anxious about it because I could not believe how many of you said, I took multiple names into the hospital. I had to wait until I met the baby. A name came to me in the hospital that I had never been considering. I feel like the baby named themselves. Now, granted, in my case, because I have deep-dived as a name nerd on the internet for quite a few years on all of the lovely name forums, I can't believe a name would arise that I truly have not really heard of or thought of before. But I also, so all of our stories are gonna be different, But it really was amazing to me how many of y'all said that. So I don't really know where that leaves me. I will keep revisiting that post until the end. So if you find or think of more hidden gems that you want to pop on there, French or British vibe names that maybe are unique and haven't come across my name, my radar. If you just think of one, pop it on there. You know, this baby is not due until spring. So in February, I will still be checking. Anybody else put anything on here? But I've been so grateful for the baby joy and getting to sink into that. My first friend who told me they were expecting, um, and I got to say back to them, oh my gosh, we are too. We're expecting at the same time. They just had their baby last week. And I also found out that a third friend, their baby is due one week after ours. And, you know, as you've heard over the last handful of episodes or so, the last couple of months, This has been a really hard season for Jeremy and I in so many ways, and we've needed some time to process that privately. And also, you know, I'm sure you've been there. When you are being flipped around by life and you just don't know what is up anymore, what direction to break through to the surface, you just don't have time to fill anyone in. Even some of your closest friends and family don't know what all is happening with you because it would take an hour call and you just don't have that because you are trying to just make sense of what is happening. So that's the season that we are in, but I will be sharing that soon as I feel like I've kind of given myself a little bit of time um, to breathe. And also sometimes it's just time, even if you don't have the answers or know uh, what the way forward is sometimes it nonetheless, life just starts to say, 
you just got to start telling people where you're at. But the moments of joy over the last few months have been such a healing balm. It is so important to lean into that wherever we can find it. Like the friend that I told you about in the road trip road trip episode when we were in Tuscany and we were doing an update on our first trimester in our surrogacy journey and how that had been. I told you that one of my dear friends had maybe just met her husband and was moving halfway around the world and changing her life for love. And she is doing it. She is doing it. And the joy that I feel getting to watch this story, I'm just so grateful that God has given me like a front row seat to this amazing romantic story in the midst of my hard season to just feel love and joy and hope and positivity. And you know that I have such a heart for being single. I felt I was single for so long and I met my husband later in life, which led to our IVF and led to our surrogacy journey. And I just have such a heart. If you are single, I felt like I just never felt like people who were married really got it in their empathy, in their understanding of the season, and I want to have a conversation with her and bring you into it in the new year because I don't feel like it's my story to share, but I so want any single women, um, especially a little bit later in life, to hear this story because I just want you to feel encouraged going into this holiday season. Like, it... If that is something you desire, it can happen, and it can happen out of nowhere. <laughs> She's been joking. It can happen on a Tuesday. She she and him were like, no one meets on a Tuesday. No one falls in love on a Tuesday. Well, they fall in love on a Tuesday. Anything can happen <laughs> on a Tuesday. Your life truly can change in a day. So I am wanting to choose to feel better right now, as good as I can feel in even in a hard time. And I had asked you on Instagram, what are happy topics that we can discuss in heading into this holiday season on the podcast? Because focusing on joy and good things is really helping my soul right now. And Gwen had proposed prepping for a new year after a bad year. And Natalie said, how to sink into the joy of good things happening after going through a hard season. So I have five questions for us today. And I had found these notes actually that I'd written a few months ago. I'm constantly writing down little ideas. And it was before I was in a hard season. And there were three questions for an expectant 2024, a teaching that I'd started to work on. And I loved that you asked these questions. I found these notes that same day. And it really was a ministry to myself because it allowed me to say, am I asking these questions? And what other questions am I asking to support myself right now in honoring the reality of what is and what has been in 2023 and walking through this bridge season into what I want to believe is going to be a beautiful and a wonderful 2024. So this really is what I am doing personally, and I will put uh, these five questions in the show notes in the episode description so that you can sit and journal with them, use your Elegant Excellence journal, uh, take one at a time into the shower with you. That to me is often a good exercise to kind of have something uh, positive feeling to percolate on when you truly can only solo task and not be on your phone. And then by the way, you also had asked for just 
happy recommendations of books and TV shows, so those are going to be in the PS today to give us some other feel-good company for December. So the first thing we want to do is zoom all the way out to the broader collective and ask yourself, what do I have that others don't have? What do I have that others don't have? And each of these questions has kind of an anchoring keyword for me, and this one is gratitude. And we know that gratitude is a practice that blesses us, and we know that there's all of the data behind that, but I really have been experiencing myself over the last few weeks and in conversations with my friends that it is the fastest way to soften when you are feeling resistant because things are not going well and you want to defend yourself, you want to make sure that the pain isn't minimized and you don't just give someone the brief 60-second version and they go, ah, sounds like a bummer. And you go, no, no, it's not a bummer. It's it's excruciating. You, you you didn't get all of it. And so when we are in pain, we oftentimes really want to make sure that other people are understanding that pain and that even we ourselves are acknowledging how hard it is and therefore we can focus mentally and in telling the story again and again on the hardest parts, on the, the worst parts. And simultaneously, we're in a culture where we are constantly told to want, do, be, have more. And I've been reflecting on this a lot about the impact of social media that we see so many more lives that all put the best parts of their lives online. So we are seeing 100 times more positivity and wins and blessing and good things than our grandmothers did. And it can therefore make it feel like there's another thing I don't have. There's another thing I don't have. Oh, I'm not in that position. Oh, I'm also not that lucky because the lens of what we are seeing is so disproportionately skewed to see all of the good on social media which means, I I know we have like negativity on social media with the acrimonious fighting for sure, but when you think about the people that you follow, they are largely showing the highlight rule, and we know this logically, but that then means I'm just constantly seeing all the stuff that I don't have, and I'm not even trying to be a negative Nelly. It's just in front of me all the time. So this game is switching what do I have that others don't? Now, for some people, really zooming out into the collective and anchoring into what's happening in Israel, what's happening in Ukraine, maybe what helps you recenter to truly realize what privilege we have with our smartphones, with our you know time to be able to be on social media and be listening to podcasts, etc., that we are already in the, the top blessed percentage of the globe. For me personally, that feels so far away. I don't know how, I know logically that I have so much privilege, but then also it's just a whole other world. It's so far that that doesn't bless me as much as the version of this game that I came up with with a friend recently who was just saying like, oh, here's the really hard parts of this situation. And I started listing off all the ways her current circumstance could be harder. And it was not to be dismissive, but it was saying, okay, it does 
it is so hard that there's this situation, there's this situation, situation, but let's say this person was going through a breakup and you say, okay, but what if your ex lived on your street and you thought every single time you left your house, you might run into them. At least they live 45 minutes away. Like you're in your neighborhood. You're never thinking that they're going to pop up. What if you and your ex worked together? At least when you go to work, that has nothing to do with it. You can totally escape. What if you were pregnant? What if you had children and you always had to co-parent with this person? At least you've been able to make a clean break. You know, in the example of a breakup, which is very hard, you start to find the things that you're grateful don't make it even harder. And They're all situations that people do navigate, and it actually can be the blessing of social media that we also have seen a lot of those hard stories. And you might think, well, I don't have a close personal friend that works with someone that they broke up with, but then I realized, oh yeah, that couple that I follow on Instagram that separated, they also ran their business together. And so they also had to untangle all of that. Okay, that get, does give me an example of a way this could be harder. And it's not dismissing that it's not hard, but when you start to add up that list, it does start to make what you are carrying lighter. And it also can be not just that exact situation, but acknowledging how many people in your life or that you follow online are carrying hard things that are not harder. Again, this isn't about making it a game of whose thing is worse. Because when we do that, we just want to sink more into how hard our thing is. Because we're in pain and we want we want it to we want our pain to be seen because that validates it and it feels horrible to have your pain invalidated. But I have really been saying for myself, yes, I am going through this and this and this and this, but I am not also going through cancer. I am not also uh, going through hospice with one of my parents. I am not also going through a divorce. I do have both of my parents here and I'm getting to go see them over the holidays. I'm getting to go into a warm, you know, cozy family environment over the holidays. And some of those things I just listed might actually be the thing you are walking through, but there are other things on that list that you aren't walking through or other things that you can add to it that you're saying, you know, at least I... At least I have my kids. At least I have my best friend. At least I have my work that is fulfilling. I do have my mental health. I do have my physical health. I do have self-love. Maybe you see a friend that is really struggling with that and just looking at everything that you realize, well, the things you are carrying are hard. There are so many things that could make it harder and we express our gratitude for that. And one suggestion that I want to end this one on is perhaps deleting social media over the holidays and therefore not allowing yourself whatever is present in your holidays, you're not also having the planted seed of oh, but I could be on a vacation somewhere warm on a beach. Oh, I could be in a fancier home. Oh, I could be newly falling in love. Oh, I could be having my first holiday with a baby. If there is anything, just notice how it makes you feel as you get closer to the holidays. Are you focusing on these other things that you don't have? And just see what it feels like if you deleted it 
for those two weeks of Christmas and New Year's to just really focus on what you do have in the present. So now let's zoom into our community. Who have I seen rebound that reminds me it's true, that reminds me it's possible, that reminds me it's true that everyone will rebound eventually. From our valleys, we will reach peaks again. It doesn't stay like this forever. And the key word for me here is evidence. Evidence that 2024 can be beautiful. Your life can be beautiful. This area of your life that is on your heart right now can be beautiful. The beauty in sharing our stories, while I just talked about the challenges of seeing so many stories on social media, the beauty in sharing our stories is that you get more than just your own personal receipts. So if you have gone through a breakup or divorce this year, who have you seen Find love again after that, if that's what you want. And notice if your mind is focusing on the people that haven't found that, but who is every example you can find of someone that had that again as proof that it's absolutely possible. I mean, that's why I give you a little update on my friend. If you are single in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, and you're headed into this holiday season, that is one bit of evidence it can happen. It can happen to a ordinary, lovely person where it it just happens in real life. Where are people okay after they went through something really hard? Maybe it's not okay that it happened, but their life still is okay after it. They do still seem to have joy, even though they would never say, I'm grateful that thing happened. I'm not okay that thing happened. I'm still angry with God that thing happened but I am okay. I do laugh again. There is joy again. Like it reminds me of that uh, scene in the Sex and the City movie when Big has, when Carrie and Big haven't gone through the wedding and she's so sad. And then Charlotte poops her pants and it makes her laugh again. And she realizes at some point you will laugh again. What are the examples you can find of that? Or they are even happier after. They genuinely are happier after going through or losing this thing that right now you are clinging to and you are grieving. Because if it happened for them, it is entirely possible that it could happen for you. Number three, we want to zoom in even more to your long-term history. So question three is, what dark came before my dawn? What dark came before my dawn? And the keyword here is receipts. I just started playing this game with myself recently and it was pretty powerful. What are the past times that were really good? And if you go back a little more, what was right before then? Was there a hard time right before that good time? Or the hard times that you that quickly, easily stand out for you? After that, was there a good time that came next? So because we are leaving our home here in three weeks, whew, after uh, 20 years in New York City, no longer going to be a New Yorker. And um, we, it has just been so emotional not knowing where we're moving to. And that's a story for another time, but it's just been a lot emotionally. Um, leaving a home, not knowing that you have a new home, um, just all of that. And so I've been reflecting on the homes that I've had in the past. And I've been trying to, to remind myself of the receipts of God 
and how he has provided for me in this specific area. And I was thinking about how I lived in a cockroach and mice infested studio apartment that probably looked so cute on social media and I never talked about the bug issue because I was terrorized by it and I was embarrassed that this was how I was living but I sort of also kind of had to gaslight myself about it because I just didn't think that I could afford anything else and this also goes back to being single. I just was in a season where I just couldn't think about going back to live with roommates, but New York City is so expensive. I didn't think I could afford to live on my own. And I finally just had a straw that broke the camel's back moment. And I was like, I have to move. And I, the first apartment that this landlord took me to, I was the first person to see it. And, um, It was so beautiful. If you remember that apartment, it was an old brownstone. It had really high ceilings. You might remember it had a giant chandelier in it. Like, what? Who am I? I was this single girl in New York City. How did I have like a Carrie Bradshaw-esque apartment? I mean, you know, as it it looks. And um, there was a bay window. I mean, it just was amazing. And I just think I sat in that darkness for so long. And I held on to that apartment because I thought it was the best that I could get. And I was so afraid to, to let it go because what if that was the best? And then the moment that I said, okay, I can't live like this anymore, the, the first apartment on the first day, I was the first person to see it and I took it right away and it was such a beautiful home. And when Jeremy and I were looking for our next apartment, we were actually planning to put our stuff in storage for because he moved into my apartment after we got married, and but it was not big enough for the two of us. It was a tiny one bedroom, and uh, there was no stuff. There was no closet space for his things. We had to get these like shoddy IKEA shell, like shelving unit in the corner. We was just so we knew we had to move. We were not really even looking for an, a house. We were going to put our stuff in storage and go to Europe for the summer and just be grateful we weren't paying rent for a little while, but. The we were the first people to see this apartment. You may remember the whole mute cute. We weren't we got mixed up with the wrong realtor. We weren't even supposed to see this place. And oh my gosh, as you know from our balcony views here, we can't believe that two kids who used to work, work wait tables were able to rent this apartment um, for the last few years and just got in when it was affordable right before the pandemic when everything in the neighborhood shot up and our landlord. Um, was so grateful to have good tenants because he'd had bad experiences in the past that he didn't raise the rent on us. Um, so I look back at this dark, dark time in my housing and then what is the dawn that came next? And what is the dawn that came next? So why would why would I not trust that God is also going to give us something good next? Having said that, it is still very hard to believe. And I, so I just want to say that it is still very hard to leave something this this beautiful and this safe and then walk away and not know where we are going next. But I try to go back to those receipt moments and in playing this game with myself, what I realized, I had never realized this before, technically on the calendar, I went through my most devastating breakup. I talk about it in episode one of this podcast. I experienced suicidal ideation afterwards. The person was mentally and emotionally unhealthy. It was very traumatic. That was 
Calendar-wise, it was in 2015. Calendar-wise, I met my husband in 2016. One calendar year later, and everything changed. Now, that was very early January 2015, and Jeremy and I's date was December 23, 2016, so it was basically two years. But on the calendar, I thought, this is one calendar year apart. Like, how I could go from such darkness to so dawn, such dawn in one calendar year, if you have been through a hard 2023, I am with you in looking back at my receipts to say, okay, God, what if it could get brighter in 2024, even though right now I don't see how, I'm super scared, I'm super <laughs> terrified, I'm super overwhelmed, I, I can't see it, I can't come up with a plan to imagine how it's going to be okay. But I also couldn't have imagined exactly how I'd meet my husband or how my friend would meet this guy or how I would find the dream apartment. So I, I vacillate back and forth, I want to be honest, between grief and fear and panic and hope and faith and trust. And these are the questions that help get me more to the hope, faith, and trust, even in the times when I really, truly don't know in my logical mind how it is going to happen or how it's going to be okay or what comes next. So question four, we're going to zoom in even more to your short-term history. And this is the one that has been so precious to me. What have you handled well? What have you grown in? How have I healed? And the key word here is confidence. Because when we look back at the receipts of the dawn times that came after our darkness, they generally are about circumstance, right? I couldn't have controlled that I met Jeremy. My friend couldn't have controlled that she met this guy. I couldn't have controlled that I found the house. So those have a little bit more to do with God, the universe, whatever your belief system is of feeling like things will fall apart and things will come back together again and things will fall apart, and things will come back together again, and this is the the cyclical nature of being an adult human and being alive. But where you have grown and what you have handled well and where you have healed, that is the confidence that allows us an empowerment to say it's not just that my circumstances got better, but also that I got better that I am getting better. And that is what we do in what makes women feel beautiful, in healing burnout, in the Elegant Excellence Journal, in all of my business teaching over the years here on the podcast, we get better. And so even if 2023 was hard, whether it just felt like a hard year in general or certain areas and elements of your life were hard, how did you handle that year or those verticals in your life so well? so well. And if you didn't, if honestly you're like, I don't feel like I did. I feel like I've been angry and impatient and snappy with people and a hot mess express. You have that self-awareness. Even if you realize you didn't handle it all that well, that self-awareness is a win. Commit to going through one of my programs to get the support to be someone that you are so proud of in 2024. I've kept saying this over the last, I don't know, 
a few weeks, couple of months in our chats here, that the work I've done that's in my signature products and programs has given me a level of inner confidence, inner peace, self-pride that is truly priceless and it's hard to put into words. And I keep saying that to you because i it's the best thing I can offer you is to say, I actually did package this into teaching to help you get there. And even in the midst of one of my hardest seasons, as I said in a previous episode, I, I'm, I'm getting out of bed in the morning and I'm standing and I'm not hysterically sobbing through the day and my hands aren't shaking with anxiety and my stomach isn't a ball, isn't a ball of knots of anxiety, even though things aren't okay. The feeling in my body is so different and I just keep thinking, thank God that I did this work over the years. Had I not done this, I would be so miserable physically, mentally, in my spirit and soul. I heard John Mulaney, the comedian, say he was talking about why he decided to well, actually, he didn't decide. His friends had an intervention. He got sent to rehab by his friends, but why he has decided to stay with his sobriety after uh, battling addiction. And he said something to the effect of, I don't want to be the reason for the chaos in my life. And I think that's what's been so game-changing for me personally in this season is that I have complete peace that I am not the reason for the chaos. I'm not the reason for the unluckiness or the failures or the whatever. And that's a whole deeper conversation we can have in a future chat. But the healthier I get, the more I'm able to look back at past years and realize there was chaos that I was causing. And I also want to do a full stop there to say, that's not to say there weren't also other people and circumstances that were causing the pain, because that absolutely was true and it is true for you as well. And I think it's so important that we acknowledge, again, back to question number three, there are going to be people and circumstances that are what makes us be in a dark season, that are what makes the year or the season so very hard. But I can also see that I made those hard things harder. And counterintuitively, when you realize you made them harder, you actually don't feel shame for that. You feel relief because what you're identifying is that you don't do that any longer. You either have healed or you at least know how to heal. One of the earliest episodes way back in 2019 of this podcast, I talked about this theory I have of the three stages of our ish, which is a polite word for a curse word in case you have littles in the car. And then initially we deny our ish because we do not know how to change it. And so to accept that we are the ones with the codependency, with the anger issue, with the perfectionism, if we don't know how to stop it, is painful. And so we deny it. We're like, no, no, that's not the problem. It was them. It was this situation. It was this person. Then we grow a little bit and we get into ownership where we're like, you know what? Yep, I do struggle with that. 
yeah, I am. And the example that I give in that episode is a, a guy that was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm the worst to date. I'm just kind of a jerk to girls. I'm just the worst. I'm like, all right, well, that shows some self-awareness, but all you're really saying is, I don't know how to change this about myself. So at least I'm, I'm owning it, but I, I'm now just saying you have to figure out how to deal with it because I don't know how to deal with it. So I'm just sort of defensively going to be like, well, hey, at least I was able to own it. But when we can change it is when we actually stop creating the chaos in our lives and we stop creating the chaos within ourselves. Of course, him being a jerk to girls um, was not, I'm just like laughing, thinking about this friend now who definitely is healed at this point, but him being a jerk to girls then, it didn't, it also didn't make him feel good. It doesn't actually, it doesn't feel good to be a a jerk. It feels good to be a good person. It feels good to you. And because in order to get to that change though, we have to know how to change. We have to have the tools, the wisdom to change things that maybe we've struggled with our whole life, like anxiety or burnout or perfectionism or competitiveness or jealousy or feeling insecure or feeling codependent or whatever it is, if you're like, I'm in my 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, I have dealt with this for decades, it feels so heavy and terrifying to believe that you can change it. But I am telling you that is what I put into these products and programs and I am seeing the fruits of that so much in 2023 and even in ways that don't seem related because what's happening in my life right now doesn't have anything to do, for example, with my body and my beauty. But the immense healing that I did in that area through exploring what makes women feel beautiful over the last few years to write my book, which as you know, then was my publishing nightmare that never came to be. But through the deep dive of walking through that teaching, there's so much in my life that has been easier in 2023. I have such peace in my body and my beauty. I'm so much less insecure and overthinking when I go to put on clothes. I am noticing that I just think about my gray hairs less. I think about the wrinkles on my face less. I am less judgmental of other bodies because I'm less judgmental of mine and that makes me feel like less of a bad person. I have increased self-compassion for my body and for all bodies. I'm buying less. I'm spending less money. I'm enjoying what I already have more. And all of those little teeny tiny things, I mean, they're not so teeny tiny, but those all add up to energy leaks Throughout the year, they all add up to reasons that you're uncomfortable in that situation, reason why you were in a bad mood that morning. And then when on top of it, you have some hard things happen in your life, you realize that having healed that area, that's our number one area of insecurity for women, according to Brene Brown's research, our body image and appearance, you're not thinking, well, that was my number one issue in 2023. Some of you are, and you need that teaching. Those of you that aren't, if you also aren't thinking, oh yeah, I have z- a zero energy leak on that, zero money wasted when the average woman in America is throwing away almost $2,000 a year buying clothes and products that she doesn't actually end up using and needing. But even if it's not on the front of your radar that this is a huge issue, 
trust the research that it's our number one issue as a gender, our number one area of insecurity, and realize when you heal that area, you have so much more peace and confidence and space and room to breathe for the other things that you are walking through, like dealing with a special needs child and mourning that you're going through a breakup with a best friend and trying to figure out how to set boundaries with your in-laws over the holidays, that when there is an area of your life that is healed, it creates more space and cushion you now show up better in the other areas of your life. And I am so grateful in 2023 to look back to having started in 2016 with my first business course on this topic called Elegant Excellence, this real healing journey that carried through my Elegant Excellence Mastermind and the Elegant Excellence Journal and Healing Burnout and that every year I have worked to get healthier. And what I've been reflecting on in this season is that the circumstances haven't gotten easier. There, there have been hard, hard circumstances. IVF, you know, singleness was hard. IVF was hard. Surrogacy leading up to it was hard. Thankfully, since our, since our pregnancy, it's been a beautiful, light, blessed, good journey. Um, business has been hard, family or friendship or romance scenarios at different times have been hard. Circumstances in life have often not gotten easier. My my book publishing nightmare, I mean, just so many different painful stories along the way that 2022 wasn't easier now that you realize that's what I was walking through. 2023 hasn't gotten easier with other things we've been walking through, but I have gotten better so my life is easier, regardless of what transpires. And that feels like success more than anything I have ever done or had or accomplished. The sense of pride I feel in myself, the sense of success that isn't tied to the publishing nightmare that decimates my business that I did the best I could and it wasn't my fault and I couldn't control all of this other poor and unfortunate behavior by other people, etc. I couldn't control that circumstance. 2022 was not easy, but my life is easier in 2023 than it would have been in 2013 if I showed up as the same person that I was in 2013. And that ability to care for myself, to keep from, to keep myself safe, that's really what we're all striving for, right? When we go to therapy and we talk about the inner child and we talk about how you know, we weren't protected by the world, by our family and friends, the way that a sweet, young, innocent seven-year-old girl should have been. And even if you had a good family and they were trying to do their best, things still happened, right? You got bullied for your weight or your mom was a narcissist and always critical or your dad put so much pressure on you or your parents got divorced or you, you know, went through assault and trauma, whatever your story is. Things happen to you that you look back at that seven-year-old and say, now the, the whole process of healing the inner child is about saying, I am the adult now and I'm going to keep us safe. 
I can't control that there aren't bad people in the world and people still aren't going to be mean to us sometimes and people are going to break our hearts and all of that, but I can keep myself safe. That's what it really means to have confidence. That's what we're doing in all of the Dean Street Society products and programs. That's what we're doing on the You're Welcome podcast. And so as someone who's part of this community, reflect on what have I handled well, grown in? How have I healed in 2023? How do I have more confidence in myself heading into 2024? And what's what can I do next to shore up more of that confidence? And humbly, I would say, take advantage of our products and programs because that is what for the last decade plus, has shored up my confidence. And finally, question number five, we're going to zoom in to the now. Question five is what is good right now? And the keyword here is present. So we spend so much of our time ruminating, regretting, rehashing the past. Some of us more than others based on our personality type, but we all have those moments sometimes. Now, I love looking back at the past. We do this in the Elegant Excellence Journal. If you can review it to learn from it and feel better after doing so. This is what we do in an exercise in the Elegant Excellence Journal where we review our last 12 months. And every year I do it. It is such a blessing to me because I invariably find things that were harder that I've forgotten about, or I just don't realize how many hard things I walked through that gives me more grace and compassion for myself and I'm proud of myself through what I walked through. And there are positive things that I'd forgotten about that make me feel, feel joyful. And so by reviewing the past in a really intentional way, I feel better after doing it. But that's a very specific set time or the examples I gave here of the dawn that came after the darkness. When you reflect on the past and you think, but you know what? It did get better from there. That's how I'm going to leave this little private thought that I'm having feeling. So we don't want to be ruminating, rehashing, regretting the past, but we also don't want to even be daydreaming about the future too often. And I've been, you know, this... This I'm obviously in this transition transition season of we're leaving New York City, we're becoming parents, we're moving to a new place, a lot of things are changing, and I noticed that I am having a tendency, and of course this is normal and positive in pregnancy also, right, that I'm thinking ahead to the spring when the baby is here. They are here, they are healthy, we are settled wherever our new home is going to be, and it just feels like, okay, we got through the the hard, crazy unknowns, and, and now we're here and we're settled. And it can feel positive and hopeful to daydream about that. And that in and of itself is not a bad exercise. I've told you that every night, you know, we are so blessed, there's a sauna here um, in our apartment building, and I am going to mourn it so much when we leave because it's become my my prayer closet. And most every night I go down there for 15 minutes and I listen to music that is about 
putting me into a positive expectant future and thinking about the future. Sometimes it is 15 years from now and I'm picturing our child and the older children that we want to adopt and I'm picturing us all being together. Um, But I also started to notice while I'm in this wait season where I don't know how things are going to unfold. And simultaneously, this friend I mentioned who's fallen in love and is moving, she's in a wait season because of the holidays and visas and things like that. They're apart right now. And she's just thinking about, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to start my life there. And I was reflecting on how I don't want for either of us to just be waiting for this season to be over, whether you are white knuckling it or you're just twiddling your thumbs because I don't wanna wish this time away. And furthermore, I know that desiring to be happy, thinking about how you will be happy, means that by contrast, you aren't happy or happy enough or as happy now. Because when you're really truly happy in the moment, you aren't thinking about the good thing that's coming next. When you were, maybe in America, you were sitting down to your Thanksgiving feast last week and if it was a really delicious meal and you're taking bites and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this tastes so good. You're not simultaneously thinking about the pizza that you're going to order the next night, right? If you're actually loving that delicious bite of turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy, you're really happy in the present moment. You're only thinking about what you're going to be ordering next when you're hungry or when you're bored and now you're thinking like, oh yeah, what should we do for dinner tonight? Because you're not, your, your stomach isn't happy enough. Your mouth isn't happy enough in the moment. And so I've really been trying to challenge myself to be grateful when I am feeling a present moment. We just saw um, our last Broadway show before we leave, um, which, you know, having moved here for, because I was cast in a Broadway tour, um, 20 years ago, even though that hasn't been my life for the last decade, and I moved into entrepreneurship, um, I just, it's such a visceral feeling in my body, like the first time that I walked into Times Square, and the first Broadway show that I saw, which was Thoroughly Modern Millie, with Sutton Foster, she had just won the Tony, and my college theater friends and I were all watching the Tony Awards right after I had gotten cast in 42nd Street, and my friends were just like, you're getting to go do this. Like, you're getting to go be her. And I just remember sitting in that theater and just sobbing. Like, I'd never even been to New York City before, and here I was, like, rehearsing for a Broadway show, and I just couldn't believe that I, I was was a part of this world that it had never even occurred to me that I could ever be talented enough to be a part of. And so going to see our last Broadway show, it's again, a story that I'll, I'll tell you another time because it actually was so joyful, um, and not sad. And it's, yeah, I'll tell you that story another time, but it was Merrily We Roll Along with Daniel Radcliffe and Jonathan Groff. Um, and Jonathan Groff's character says something at one point, like, When I'm really happy, I close my eyes and I take a deep breath and I try to take a snapshot of the moment because I want to remember it. And so this morning, I was sitting there with my Alec Nexon's journal and Freddie Cappuccino came and climbed up on me, which he doesn't do 
he's starting to do more now that he's past the one year mark of out of kittenhood. He's starting to do more, but still rare enough that when it happens, you're like, don't move. No one breathe. <laughs> like, like the other person will be like, what do you want? Do you need water? Like, I don't want you to move and, and miss this moment. But he climbed up into a snuggle position that he has never done before. His head was in my nook. His one paw was stretched out. He he touched my mouth a few times with this little paw and then just relaxed his hand. It was basically like a half hug. You know, one arm was tucked under him, but the other arm, the other arm, it was as much of a hug as you're going to get from a cat. It was just magical. Now, granted, I wanted to be writing in my Elegant Excellence journal. I wanted to be capturing how I'm thinking and feeling right now. I'm looking at the clock. I know what time I want to get to work. But his name means peaceful presence. And it really does remind me, enjoy this moment. Enjoy this moment. You've got three weeks left in this apartment. You've got three months left when you do just have a cat and not also a baby, which is you know going to be great. But this is, this is a season. And he sat there for the longest time and it was such a beautiful exercise to say, I'm just going to sit here and be present in this moment and I'm going to look around at everything that I can see. And I can see the the blush color of the light reflecting off the blue gray water. And there was a really cool sailboat that like a speedboat that went by. It was a dark green and I was thinking it's... 7.45 in the morning, what fancy person who has this boat, where are they going at 7.45 on a Tuesday? Um, but I just really so- soaked into the moment. And I've just been convicted with how much I'm wanting to like check things off. And I think it's also just common this time of year for so many of us, even just in a traditional headed into December, you're like, okay, here's how many days until we're we're leaving for the holidays or we're closing for Christmas or I'm on vacation and you're just checking things off the list or you just want to skip over this season to get there. You're just so excited to get to the holidays or maybe the holidays feel sad or overwhelming and you just want to get them over with. And so I just was was challenging myself, like if you didn't get tomorrow, if tomorrow wasn't promised, without a single grand gesture today, it doesn't mean that you're going to call the long lost person and ask for forgiveness or whatever. Just what would you be grateful for in today without having to change anything, just noticing what is? I'm just grateful that I was kind to my coworkers. I'm grateful that I patted my husband on the back as I walked through the kitchen. I'm grateful that I have soft socks on. And it's not coming out of a fear that you won't have tomorrow because you will have decades, you will have a long and beautiful life. But just as an exercise, notice how often our mind is either looking to, oh my gosh, it's already two o'clock, where's the day gone? Like a sense of regret, or oh my gosh, I just can't wait for it to be Friday. A sense of just wanting to get to the future. Whether we're excited about what's coming on Saturday or we're just exhausted about what we gotta do until then, instead of truly enjoying today. And I know that's something like gratitude at the top that we are told all the time, but the the wisdom we hear time and time again is timeless and oft repeated for a reason. But I think often we just don't know how to get there, how to embrace it more, how to say yes to it more. But the more we strengthen that muscle of being so 
grateful in the present and appreciating and enjoying what is in the present in question number five and the confidence in number four that we're really proud of ourselves. We really do feel like we are doing well. We feel like we can trust ourselves to do our best in whatever scenario comes and to not be the reason for our chaos. The more we strengthen those muscles, the happier we will be in 2024, not because of circumstances, but because of us. And that feels so good when we are we're grateful, we're hopeful, we take strength from our story, we have confidence in ourselves, and we are enjoying life today. And the way we get there just starts with you saying, I want to heal. I want to get better, and I'm going to accept and receive the tools and the teaching to help me get better. And that is going to make everything better. Not someday, but this day. Not just when I get lucky, but even when I get unlucky. So my dear friend, more soon, more tears soon, more peace soon. Ask yourself these five questions. Write about them in your Elegant Excellence Journal. As I said, maybe take one at a time into the shower and sit with it. Be expectant for 2024, even if you have no idea what's coming next, because none of us really do. It can all fall apart, or you can fall in love, even on a Tuesday. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately, Ellen asked, what are the best TVs and books that you have consumed lately? And bonus, if there's any cheesy Christmas. So I have five things for you that I think you will enjoy this uh, December, should you choose to consume them. Number one, I already mentioned before, I was in the middle of the Knockemout book series, but I wanna give a recap that I've now finished the trilogy and I have recommended it to multiple girlfriends since. I think the first one starts with Things We Left Behind, but as I mentioned in a previous PS, I just right now, I can't read any novels that, I don't want anything that makes me cry. I don't want anything that makes me anxious, but I also can't do just total, total fluff. Like it has to be enough to keep me entertained. It has to be good enough writing. And um, I am delighted to have found this series. I think I flew through all three books in a month. Second recommendation, the, the rest of these are on Netflix. I apologize if you don't have Netflix. This is not an ad for Netflix. I've never done a sponsored post for anything on this podcast, but apparently this is what I've been watching. No Hard Feelings, a new movie with Jennifer Lawrence. I saw the thumbnail of it and I was like, I don't get it. This seems like a cheesy romantic comedy. Why is Oscar winner Jennifer Lawrence signed on for this? Highly recommend the movie. It was delightful. And bonus... My ex and dear friend, Quincy Dunbaker, is, plays Jennifer Lawrence's ex who slides into a booth across from her at a bar and he's now married. Oh my gosh, the cackling from Jeremy and I. He was so hilarious. I think this is the third time this year we've been watching something and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Quincy. Also, Dean Street Society fun fact, 
Quincy is one of the voices in the uh, overture to our our theme song at the front. Um, my friend, uh, musician Mitch Luther is one, and Quincy Dunbaker is the other. And he is in uh, No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence, which was a delightful film that I am very glad we watched. Number three, I mentioned this on stories, but a new female comedian that I found, Zainab Johnson. Her special is called Hijabs Off. Shoot. I was going to try to remember. I, I always think I say that word wrong. Hijab, hijab. I can never remember. And she said it multiple times and I was trying to remember it as she said it. And now I got to go back and watch it again because I already can't remember. But what I said on Instagram is I think she is my favorite female comedian, uh, female comedy special that I have seen. There's a lot of, there's two different rhythms with styles, I feel like, with comedians. And I have great respect for comedians all across the board because it is hard to be that funny. That is why we don't see a lot of exceptional comedy out there because it is a very challenging and they make it look a lot easier than it is. But there's a style where you kind of go through different bits throughout and you sort of act like you're thinking on your feet a little bit and, and and then maybe at the end, there's a callback. But I just felt like, for me, John Mulaney, who I mentioned earlier, is my favorite male comedian. And his shows are just such surgical precision. It's, he's, every sentence, every rhythm, the highs, the lows, the cadence, and that just feels like an extra level of exceptionalness. It's like, I love someone who's just a beautiful writer, but when someone has a complex novel that weaves so many stories together, I'm just like, I bow down. This is a whole different level of the way someone's brain works. So anyways, that's how I felt about Zainab Johnson. I just really felt like she was just so savvy and how she had put that together. And then uh, number four is Mike Brabiglia. This is a name that I know, but I don't know if I've, I thought he was a comedian I don't know that I've maybe ever seen anything of his before because his new Netflix special is so sublime that I googled, can he win a Tony for that? Well, yeah, it turns out it actually was a Broadway show and it is more of a one-man show, which I think is what I, that it's, it's the level of comedy that's more like a one-man, one-woman show rather than a stand-up set that I think to me, I just see the magic of. It was beautifully art directed, all of that. And I'll say too, as a little bonus aside, let's have this uh, this conversation another time, but we haven't talked about plant medicine and I want to do that more because I think specifically growing up in a Christian household, growing up with, you know, just say no to drugs and all of that. Um, I had zero. I mean, I've never even smoked a cigarette. I didn't drink alcohol until I was 21. I didn't even like the taste of it then for years. Um, and But plants have um, cannabis, mushrooms, have been such a part of my healing journey the last few years that I haven't really talked about and I want to talk about more because I feel like there are people that I could help by me being the one that explains it and tells you the story because the same thing happened to me. I had friends and it was only through them and hearing their lens that I was like, oh, I have a very different perspective on this than I did before. And I'm so grateful that I was open to trying something new. And the reason that I'm mentioning this right now is that when I'm watching something like Zainab or Mike Brabiglia, I am on a cannabis gummy. And basically what that does for me is it kind of back to our question number five, it really 
sinks me into the present moment and it gives me so much more awareness of what's happening in that moment that I appreciate art so much more because I notice all the teeny tiny little details. I notice so many more layers that are at play that when you're watching something like that and you're also scrolling on your phone and you're also like over here and the doorbell rings and you didn't press pause and whatever, you're just, you're not getting all of the depth of it. So I also want to throw that out there in case you're like, I did not find one of those like so magical. And you're like, well, maybe it's because Hillary was so present that she actually saw like even more of the the genius that was there. And then the final one for your cheesy Christmas wreck, this was from last season. There was a movie called Single All the Way. And I just, again, I don't love like I have one of my best friends, my sister, love the Hallmark Channel. It's just too cheesy for me. I can't, it's, I'm sorry to sound judgy, but it's just not well written enough. I I can't get through it. I can't finish it. Um, But I'm also not really a passive watcher. Like if it's on, I want to watch it. So I don't really have it on in the background. So when something is light and fun, but I thought it was well written, I just love it. And that to me was this movie. And also it had... um, it's a gay love story and I love, uh, you know, diverse representation and it had so many fun, uh, cameos in it. Like Kathy Najami, who I don't know what she's done since Hocus Pocus. So that felt like a throwback. Jennifer Coolidge, who now we all, you know, worship from White Lotus, but she's always a good time. Luke McFarlane, who was on Brothers and Sisters. Does anyone else remember Brothers and Sisters? If you're below the age of like, 30, I don't know, maybe 35. You probably don't, but it was a show that I loved. And I've actually, I've been trying to think of shows to watch. I feel like once we get to February, I maybe I'm going to be losing my mind a little bit with like the baby is coming soon, but not really actually soon. And I just said to Jeremy, I think I need to really figure out some stuff that I can sink into. And also what are we going to do in the hospital? Like, that's a, a whole other conversation um, to to have of what do you do in the hospital when when you're not the one in labor and, and, and your husband doesn't have the role of helping you be in labor and it's also not your role to help the surrogate in labor. She's going to have her her partner there. So what what are we going to, to do unless it's a really fast labor? But like if it's a long labor, she's elected, um, she doesn't, uh, she, she prefers natural childbirth. Um, so I don't know. I'm just like, what are we going to do to distract ourselves? I feel like we need some TV shows. This is, uh, Coming up with this list for you made me think, maybe Brothers and Sisters is one that I need to go back to. It had um, Matthew Reese, who I adore. He and Luke McFarlane were a couple. Dave Annabelle, who was totally my crush. Calista Flockhart. So that might be one to revisit. And then also, Single All the Way, has Barry Bostwick, which if we are very deep friends, you may recall that it is... Rushford girl canon, meaning AKA my sister and I, um, that Barry Bostwick was in a film, a little known film called The Parent Trap 3 with um, Haley Mills and Patricia Richardson, the mom from Home Improvement, and the triplets who were one of the triplets was on the final season of Saved by the Bell, I think Jesse Spano left and she played a kind of tough biker chick named Tori who was A.C. Slater's love interest. She, in real life, is a triplet. They were in this movie. We were obsessed with it growing up. It's one of the few movies that we quote all the time. Um, my 
brother-in-law is a god and he somehow found a recording of it on DVD that he got for my sister like 10 years ago for Christmas. And you know, Barry Bostwick hasn't been on a lot. So if you are a child of the 90s, um, you also might enjoy some of the uh, folks that are in this movie. So hope that those bring you joy. I am just so grateful to you. Here is to what's next in 2024, what's now in 2023. I will see you in your email inbox and over on Instagram with Grace and gumption. As always, you are so welcome here. And with a sassy hair toss, you're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday.